This episode of Pompey Talk is brought to you in association with Portsmouth.co.uk. If you want to stay in the know about everything that's happening in Portsmouth, from news to culture to food, of course sport and Pompey, take out an online subscription with the Portsmouth News website today at Portsmouth.co.uk forward slash subscriptions. Not only do you get unlimited online access to award-winning reporting, but with fewer ads and free access to our digital edition and mobile app, you get all the Portsmouth you need. Our trial offer starts at just £1 a month for the first three months. Hello and welcome to Pompey Talk, the news podcast. I'm Jordan Cross, joined by Chief Sports Writer Mark McMahon and a very special guest this week in a Pompey title winner and all-round football genius in Kevin Harper. Kev delivers some fantastic insight into his five years at Fratton Park, from the Pompey manager who was knifed in the back by his successor, to facing the flak and turning around the abuse to become a favourite of the Fratton faithful. Kev's love of the Blues shines through at the club he made more appearances for than any other. And there's also a revealing insight into the systemic racism Kev feels he encounters in football as a black manager. We're now available on Spotify, as well as Apple Podcasts and SoundCloud, so give us a listen, like and subscribe to get each edition delivered to your device and keep your finger firmly on the PO4 Pulse at portsmouth.co.uk. Well, welcome to the latest edition of Pompey Talk, the podcast. Um, I'm Mark McMahon and I'm joined today as usual by, I was going to say my friend and colleague, he's more than that, he's, he's a good all-round chap as well, Jordan Cross. But Jordan, when, Jordan is... When, when my phrase all coming up? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll leave that for a while. <laughs> but Jordan has is, 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 is looked into his contacts book and has pulled a, yet another gem out of the hat. Um, we are glad to welcome none other than Kevin Harper onto the Pumpy Podcast. Welcome, Kevin. Cheers, Kevin guys. Thank you. Football genius. <laughs> I might have that for a while. <laughs> How are you doing, Kevin? Are you all right? Yeah, I'm good, guys. I'm good. Thanks very much for getting me on. You know, I love, uh, as everyone knows, I love talking Pompey. Uh, love my time down there. And looking forward to it. Good stuff. Well, well, we'll start with your current situation. Um, no longer the manager of Albion Rovers, we see. Yeah. What's happened there? No, they, they offered me a contract at the end of the season. Uh, but... I didn't think it was it was a good enough contract that they offered me because you know I'm ambitious. I wanted to be up at the top of the table. It's difficult where we where we were as a as a club. Uh, we'll probably get the smallest budget. We well, we do have the smallest budget in the league, so it's always tough. But you know I think the end of the day the contract that they offered me wasn't acceptable in my eyes. You know they probably thought differently, but I decided that you know after a year and a bit that it was time to to seek other other options, you know, and just at the present moment in time with the way the, the world is with the COVID-19, you know, there's not many jobs going about, but, you know, at the end of the day, it is what it is. You know, I've made that choice and I still believe it's the right choice for me. Well, I want to go right, all the way back to the, back to the uh, other end of the spectrum if, if I can, Kev. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, was, uh, I was just looking back and it's... 2000, 2000 you joined, wasn't it? In 2005, you left. So you, you yeah. left 15 years ago and you joined 20 years ago. I was like, what? Is it really 20 years since Kev was here? I mean, does that, does that right. feel like that to you a bit? 
No, it doesn't, mate. It doesn't. It's, it's incredible. You know, I, uh, to think that I didn't even know that, Jordan, to be honest with you. And to think that it was 20 years ago that I first took my step into Pompey, I would have told you no chance. But it was, probably, it was the best, best step that I had made. Uh, I think everybody knows what I feel for the club. You know, moving there, I didn't know anything about the club. You know, Tony Pulis signed me, Milan Mandridge. Uh, spoke me through what the club were looking at doing. Tony was really instrumental in, in, in taking me to the club. You know, and for the first minute I was there to the minute I left, I enjoyed every second of it. You know, even though there was hard times and there was tough times, you know, the fans were on my back at times. But, you know, at the end of the day, I have nothing, nothing but, you know, absolute praise for the fans at the club and the, the city as well, the area. Yeah, I, I, I did 28 appearances, but nine goals. But it's a shame they don't do assist records for back then, because I think that would be pretty <laughs> impressive as well, knowing what your, your game was like. But that's, yeah. my, that's more, more first-team appearances. And I think you probably had anywhere else in your career, Kev, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, it's, it's the most I think Hibs are, the, Hibs, are the, Hibs are just behind that when I started yeah. off. You know, uh, and it, it shows, you know, I, I played, I played, obviously I played when we won the championship. I played through that whole season with a double hernia. Uh, so the the will to, to play for the club and understand what the fans wanted and you know what the club meant to the fans. I think that's the biggest thing for me. You know the the club means a hell of a lot to the fans. You know majority of fans are based in in Portsmouth. So when you're out and about, you you meet fans, you speak to them. You know and they want the best for the club. They want the best for the, the players. Yeah, they'll get on your back. That's part and parcel of fans if you're not doing it right. But the ultimate goal is for the club to succeed, and it's. It's good to, good for me to see that they've sort of came out of a you know getting uh, into administration etc and came out of that you know being saved which mm. you know the, and the fans will generate and drive that forward which they did and now they're you know hopefully hopefully in the playoffs and we, we get some good results in the playoffs and we get to up there next league so that we can get promoted as well. Oh, just, just speaking to you before we started the podcast, Kevin, and you're well abreast of what's going on at Pompey. You stay, you stay well in touch and you, and you bang up to speed, even talk about the players and the short-term contracts there just recently. So very much, you know, looking out for Pompey and, and they're a part of your emotions and, and, and their progress even to today. Oh, no, definitely. Definitely. I think when, when, the, when, the, uh, when the playoffs will be on, my, me and my son will be sitting with our Pompey tops on, watching them, <laughs> you know, making sure, supporting from afar. You know, but we'll, I'll be, I'll certainly be there, and you know, and and thought and understand what it's going to be like, you know, and that hopefully we get the result that we want, and we get into the into the final, and then we 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 cross that we cross that bridge as well, you know. But it'll be tough, it'll be tough. But I think Portsmouth are probably the biggest, one of the biggest clubs in that that division, and they deserve to be at a higher level as well. Kevin, I've seen your son on social media. You've, you've posted a few pictures of your son wearing a Pompey shirt. Um, is, he, is he a truly a true Pompey fan or does he understand just the extent of your career there and, and what you achieved with Pompey? He, he, probably doesn't, he probably doesn't understand it, but he's a, certainly a Pompey fan. He wants to play for them, he's told me. He wants <laughs> to play for Portsmouth. So uh, I've said to him, I'll try and get down this season. Well, next season, we'll try and get down and we'll watch a game and he can get the atmosphere, etc. And find out what it's about, you know, because for me it's it's one of the best atmospheres, if not the best atmosphere, you know, for the amount of fans that are there, you know, the fans that create the atmosphere, but you know, the noise because I always I always remember my first game there, you know, just hearing 
hearing this bell go and hearing the fans singing for the full full game and thinking, what the hell is this? Never seen this in my life before. And, you know, that was sensational. And the weather helped as well. I think I signed in the, the January or the February. And the first, two, the first two weeks were shorts and T-shirts weather. I was like, oh, this is fantastic. And then the fans singing, you know, was like just on a totally different scale. That's quite topical at the minute. I was going to say, Jory, it's quite topical at the minute. Like, we're sitting down here in 29 degrees down the south coast. I just would like to know what's the temperature like up in Glasgow area or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's actually, it's actually probably, probably about 20 degrees, but it probably feels like we think it's 90 degrees up here. So that's, that's a really good day for us up here. <laughs> I was sweating a bit yeah. last night. It got down to about 25 degrees was the low point yesterday. I was in pieces last night. Yeah. So it's still the sunny south coast down here. Again. But as I said, just go back to that first season. And from the, from the, the campaign you came here, I mean, Tony Pulis, Steve Claridge, Graham Ricks, that first campaign, it was tum- it's been tumultuous, hasn't it? it? It was. It was. You know, Tony Pulis brought me here, brought me there, you know, and... I thought we were we were sort of beginning to. I think he was trying to change the mentality of the the whole club. You know, we I think we finished something like sixteenth. Uh, I think maybe something round about that off the top of my head. You know, and then and then Graham Rex came in, and you know, uh, sorry, uh, Steve Clarence took over from from Tony for you know, which I I don't think was right. What happened behind the scenes uh, on that? But at the end of the day, Milan took the decision to. Uh, give give Stephen Steve the job, and then after three months it wasn't happening, and Graham Ricks came in and got a little bit longer, and then you know after that Harry came in, and the rest, as they say, is is history. But I think I think we forget that you have to take a hat off to Milan because Milan, although we brought Harry in, you know mm. I know a lot of people were unhappy with the way that he dealt with Graham Ricks, but I think you have to take your hat off to him. For where he done, when he eventually done that and gave gave uh, Harry the, the the money to yeah. assemble the team that he did, you know. So I think yeah, it might not be might not be nice the way what he done with Graham because I think we all knew as soon as Harry came in as as uh, football uh, head of football, we always we always thought that it was going to end up Graham was yeah. on a sugarly peg from then, which was which wasn't nice. But at the end of the day, Milan felt that. He knew what was best for the club, and you know he was he was right in that. Yeah, you just mentioned Tony there, and we we'll start with him. That that affinity you had with him, and obviously you think that it was premature his exit from the club. He wasn't, you know, it got it got nasty and dirty in the end. Actually, didn't it? Sorry, it got a bit nasty and dirty between Milan and Tony in the end, didn't it? Unfortunately, yeah, but... it did. yeah, it did. I think I think people were obviously people were going to going to the chairman and and backstabbing Tony. Uh, and they eventually got the job, you know, the person that done it. So, at the end of the day, for me, it was it was a bit it was a bit naughty uh, from the inside. Uh, and for me, I've got a lot of respect for Tony. You know, I, I like him as a as a person and as a man. You know, and I, I I didn't like what happened to him. I didn't like what happened to him. I thought that was real real nasty and horrible. You know, the backstabbing side of things. Fair enough. If Milan had went and said, "Listen, Tony, it's not happening," without the the things that happened in the background, then that's Albeit, you know, as a manager, you know you're going to get sacked, but you know you don't need you don't need people going and telling stories and running to the chairman, which they did. Uh, and at the end of the day, the, the chairman decided that it was time for Tony to go, and you know, and that's that's the way it is. Tony's went on and to to 
you know, do fantastically well in his, his managerial career. But, you know, for me, if it wasn't for, it wasn't for Tony in Milan, then I certainly wouldn't have been at the club. No, no. I mean, what would Tony like to work with on a day-to-day? What would he like as a gaffer? I think as a, as a gaffer, he, was, he, he made you fit. You know, you worked really, really hard. You knew your job. Everybody knew your, knew your job. It was repetitive, that's for sure. You know, mm-hmm. but the, the distinct thought that I had was, he's made me fitter. He's made me understand the game and understand our position and know that I have to almost be a second right back. That's, mm-hmm. that's what it was. And, mm-hmm. and I, think he, I think he knew from me that, you know, no matter where he asked me to play, I would give 100% because... I think he, I think he got me playing centre, centre mid at one point, and striker and right, uh, left, left wing as well. You know, so for me, it was I just wanted to play. You know, I've said that, I've said that many times. I wanted to play, and I, and that's probably the reason that I left Portsmouth because I did want to play. You know, I was, I wasn't playing, and for me, it was, I'm a footballer to play football, not to sit in the bench or sit in the stand. You know, and but under Tony, you know, I learned that, I learned, I learned a lot. You'd certainly fit it into the current Pompey team then, Kevin. Kenny Jagger <laughs> likes a player. He can play in various positions. <laughs> <laughs> that's, 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 always, that's always a good thing. You know, I, I, go, back to, I go back to our uh, championship winning side. I was fortunate enough that uh, when I wasn't in the team and then Steve Stone got injured and I got in the team at uh, right wing back and then Steve mm. Stone came back and I was fortunate that Matty Taylor got injured and then I get pushed to left wing back for the second half of the season. So, it's, it was it was good at that point. That's for sure. <laughs> just just go back to that that that, that end of that season with uh, Graham Ricks. I mean, I mean the, the second to last game. I remember Crystal Palace at home. Um, it was a four two defeat, and it, it was looking like it was on a slippy you know slippy sort of wicket at that at that at that moment. And then yeah. uh, what came after that, Kev? That was that was that was incredible. That that day was incredible because. I remember going into the, into the changing room and, th- and I remember always thinking this seems different from what it was the whole season. It was really, really different. You know, we knew we had to win by three goals to have any chance of, well, to stay up because I think we were, we, we needed, I think it was Crystal Palace. We had to, they had to get beat and we had to win by three goals. And yeah. as, soon as, it, as soon as I walked into the, the changing room, I knew that we were going to win. I knew we were going to score, we were going to win by three goals. I knew we were staying up. It was just, a totally different atmosphere in the change room. It was it was really really difficult to explain. But you know, if it was it was quieter. It wasn't as jovial. It was it was real quiet. It was a real sense of this is business. This is business. We have to do this. And I was I was unfortunate enough to be relegated when I was at Hibs as a young kid. And mm. you know, that's probably the first time I had ever saw grown people crying at football. You know, and that resonated a lot with me. Uh, I didn't want that to happen to Portsmouth because. I knew Port. I knew Portsmouth as a club and as a city and the fans. You know, so for me it was it was a, it was a must win. It was like nothing else. You know, it was like we there's no way that I'm going to let this team and this club go down. That's the way I felt, and I think that's that's the way most of the players felt that day. It was a euphoric day, wasn't it? I mean, the, the release of uh, tension. I mean, I was there as a punter that day, and I just, I just remember that. But you, yeah, and you bagged that day. I think you got the third goal, if I remember rightly, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. See how they, see how the second uh, scored the third, which was and had a hand in the first. So, still <laughs> <laughs> down to you, Kev. If only, if only, if only. That was just unbelievable scenes, though, wasn't it? I mean, that, that's Fratton. I remember Fratton Park as well, but you know, it's it vibrant best on on that day. Yeah, it's, 
you know, it's 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 a it's a it's a stadium like no other. You know, that is a is a say it's very you know, those twenty thousand fans, eighteen thousand fans, but the noise that they for eighteen thousand fans make is is more it's almost like a parkhead for me or a Ibrooks. Mm. You know, even going to Man 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 United Tottenham, you know, Liverpool where they make so much noise, but the eighteen thousand fans make more noise than the 60,000, 50,000 fans and the passion that it is genuinely drives you on. It drives you on a hundred percent. I remember at the end of that that game they they said they said never again and um and then uh there was promises of all sorts of players to come in for the next season, but I don't think anyone saw a certain uh, skillful former Real Madrid Barcelona midfielder <laughs> turning up. <laughs> but did you? No, I, I didn't. I didn't. And you know, I say I say to this day, he's the best player that I've ever played with, played alongside. Really? In in Robbie, and uh, I think Mers is the probably the biggest player that's made the biggest impact at Portsmouth when I was there, yeah. uh, but. Robbie and, and technical wise was head and shoulders above anything that I've seen. But you know the only the only gripe I have is that I wasn't good enough to play alongside him when he was in his prime. We've we've heard all the stories about Kev lighting his fags at half time and all that stuff. Yeah. But, I mean that that much ability that he, he, he could get away with it. It must have been just a, a learning experience for you. To... It was it was a, it was a, it was a huge huge learning experience for me playing against. That type of player, you know, I was fortunate enough to play in the, the Premier League, but you know that was he was a different, he was a different level, and I can only imagine how good he was when he was 22, 23, 24. You know, he was absolutely sensational, and he was he was a really nice guy as well. He was a really nice man as well. You know, it was it wasn't as if he was you know I'm too big for this. I never ever felt that. I don't know whether you know I had a, a little bit of a, a connection with Robbie. Uh, yeah. You know, he knew as a, again that. Robbie wouldn't would wouldn't do the running, so we all had to do the running for him. But you know, certainly if we got him the ball, he could put the ball in the right place ninety five percent of the time. You know, and that's 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 the difference. You know, but he was he was he was on a different planet and a different level. I think to have the if I could you know look back in my career and say you know I played with Robbie Prozanecki and you know that's. You know, a, a, a huge, huge thing for me. But you know, to play alongside Robbie at Portsmouth makes it even better. Yeah, I mean, Harry used to call Paul Paul Merson a quarterback. Well, I guess if you've got Robbie on the ball and you're you're perfect, you know, down the flanks, you know where you where you're off and running, you know where your ball's going to end up in the right place for you. Yeah, no, definitely, definitely. Uh, and I always always remember always remember going in at uh, half time and I'd been running up the line and I was shouting, shouting Robbie, Robbie, and he's like Kevin. You don't have to shout, I see you. Uh, and that was just, that was enough for me. That was enough for me. See when you're, see when you're playing like somebody, like, see when you're playing with somebody like Posnacki, Kevin, it can go either one or two ways, can it? You can either bring out the best in you or you can get so nervous that you're going to make a mistake that you just, all of a sudden, you just skirted the airline. Did, did he bring yeah. out the best in you? Or? Yeah, I think he did. I think he did. You know, I think uh, he certainly, be, because you, you knew where the ball was coming, and that's no disrespect to the players that were there, you know. But he was he was head and shoulders. I didn't mind running for doing Robbie's running. I didn't mind that at all, you know, because I knew that I was a certain part in the cog of of the team, you know. And if I had to do ten percent extra running for Robbie, then that's fine because I knew ten percent or eighty percent of the time the ball was going to come to me, 
at the right area at the right time to give me the best opportunity to, you know, assist in a goal or, you know, a chance or whatever. So, well, it was, it was, no, it was really no issue for me. That, that, that season with, with Rixie, okay, Peter Crouch came in and it, it, was, it, was not, it was a pretty good start. I think there was a lot of optimism at the start of that season. Yeah. I, I think we went to Wolves and Drew at the first game, beat Stockport, Robbie got a penalty. I think we beat Palace and maybe Grimsby at home. And yeah. There was quite a lot, of, you know, a lot of optimism at, at that time, wasn't there? Yeah, there was. You know, Big Crouchy coming in was, was another masterstroke as well. You know, yeah. I think for what we bought him for and maybe what, what he sold him for, but what he brought as well. You know, people people think about Crouchy as, as a head and machine, which yeah, he is. You know, he scored so many goals with his head, but as as technical technical player, he was he was great. The ability that he had, the skills that he had, was was you know somewhat overshadowed sometimes because of his height. But mm. I think Crouchy was was a perfect foil as well. You know, and we had Mark Butchell down as well at that time as well. So Good he, pair of those two, you know, he was he was he was he was, he was really quick. So. You know, for me as a as a wide man, it was just about getting the ball in the box and making sure that it was a it was a good ball into the box, and we knew that they two would score. You know, Crouchy done that; he's done it his whole career. You know, but Crouchy's Crouchy's a top top guy as well. You know, really really nice guy down the earth, and he's he's doing really fantastic as well just now. Yeah, there's another one you can't get off your screens at the minute, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> um, but I'll be just around to March that season when, when Harry came. I think you kind of referenced it earlier uh, in, in the chat that it was almost that it was inevitable. Everyone knew what Harry was there for. You know, he's a director of football, but he's kind of twiddling his thumbs. How, how was that for, for Ricks in? How hard was that for him to, him to deal with? I, th- I think, I think Graham Ricks, all credit to him, dealt with it really, really well because... I think he knew as soon as Harry came in, he was under real, real pressure. It was probably a, only a matter of time, which, you know, nobody wants that. Nobody is a manager. You know, the players, we don't want that as well. But the players sort of felt that way as well. And, yeah. you know, Graham Ricks was a, was a fantastic coach. Fantastic coach. And I think Ricks it was, was a little bit unfortunate, if I'm honest. You know, he, he, didn't, he didn't win as many games as what we probably should have. But, you know, I think the majority of the games we were in the game. So it was... You know, just just a bit of luck here and there. But at the end of the day, Milan was the, was the man that was putting the money into the into the club. And at the end of the day, he makes a decision whether you like it as a as a as a player or not. You have to you have to deal with it. You know, and he felt that you know time was to it was to bring Harry in, and he gave Harry a, a, a opportunity to probably see the players knowing what was going to happen in the following season. I think Harry got maybe. Eight, ten games at the end of the season. I'm not 100. That's sure. right. Yeah, around about Something that. Something like yeah. that. So yeah. you know, it was, it was, it was. I think that was basically him assessing the squad. <clears> you know, I think he knew we weren't going to go down, but he was assessing the squad who to keep, who to get rid of. And in fairness to Harry, he pretty much get rid of everybody. <laughs> yeah, he did. <laughs> and um, but one person who knocked around still was, was was yourself, and you would probably been you know worried about your future, and, you know, thinking there's every chance you might have been on your way. I looked up the stats. You went on to play in the in the promotion or the title winning season. You played forty games. Now I know somebody you know, a fair amount off the bench there, but what a return! And how do you feel now when you say that you were such a seminal, central part of one of the most amazing seasons in in Portsmouth's history? It's, it's a proud it's a proud thing for me because I think the first two games I wasn't even in the squad. No. You know, I wasn't even anywhere. wasn't anywhere close. You know, and to to play forty games in, in the championship winning season, I think. Pretty much played one of I think I was probably one of the, the most appearances that whole that whole game that whole season you know and 
when you, when I look back in it, you know, the first half of the season, I got, you know, so much abuse from the fans and, you know, mm. that's that's the, what what it was, you know. Yeah. But I stuck to what I was doing, you know, that I think the players knew what I what I brought to the the team, the manager obviously knew that, you know, yeah, I was fortunate that, you know, Gianluca Festa was wasn't a proper right wing back, you know, Steve yeah. Stone got injured, I was fortunate there, but you know, the second half of the season when I went to the left hand side due to Matty Taylor's, you know, injury and I think I played pretty much near enough every single game and you know, I was playing with a double hernia, as I said, the whole season. You know, I had got a hernia injury, you know, the previous yeah. season, got the operation and then, you know, I had to uh, I had to play play with it. I wasn't I wasn't prepared to go in for another operation straight away. Uh, no. So I played till the second last game of the season. Then it totally just went on me. But you know, for for me to for Harry to have the trust in me of playing me right wing back and then switching me to the left wing back was you know was good was it was pleasing you know and obviously to be a major part of that season and and, and win the league was was really really special for me just because I had been. You know, staying up in the last game of the season, I had saw the journey to get yeah. to that point, so it was it was huge for it was a huge huge achievement for me. Yeah, I mean, as you say, they, something that the fans don't see when when they're giving the stick is the fact that you were playing through the pain and playing through an injury the whole season. They don't they don't see that. That that that's one thing. But how satisfying again to kind of turn that around and, and be part of that, and and it also links into you know down the years that how you reflect now and. And as I say, we were talking earlier, there's a lot of Twitter love for you and a lot of social media uh, appreciation, which sort of shows you that how, how you're reflected overall down the years, really, Kev. Yeah, I think I think I look back and it, you know, I think Nietzsche said in his book that he's, I'm the only person that's ever changed the fans' opinion of them, yeah. you know, as a, as a player, which, you know, that's, that's, that's huge, that's huge. There is a lot of love for me on social media from the Portsmouth fans, which is, which is great, you know. I but as, as I say all the time, right, I absolutely love my time at Portsmouth. Even through even through that the bad times when you know my name was getting called out, that I was starting and the fans were booing. I never ever disliked the club. I never ever disliked the fans. That was their opinion. But I knew I was in the team because the manager believed in what I was doing, and I was an important part of that team. And the players knew what I was going to give. Yeah, was I the most skillful? Was I the most technically gifted? Player in that team, no, I wasn't. Was I probably one of the, the, the ones that would work their socks off so that other people could get the ball? Yeah, I was. I was probably one of the hardest workers in the team. But at the end of the day, that's just that's just me being a part of what I had to do. And that's that's part and parcel of the game. You know, I maybe had to do more running so that Mers could get on the ball. You know, I, you know, these things happen. You have to yeah. sometimes defend. Maybe I was better defending at times, but these are situations that happen in games and and through seasons, you know, and for me to to play forty games in that season, considering I wasn't even in the squad the first two games, is I think it's credit to myself that I knuckled yeah. down and you know I, I didn't throw, I didn't spit the dummy out. I worked even harder because I remember during the post season thinking, if I don't work hard and I don't come back really fit and impressive, then I'm going to be out the door like everybody else. You know, so yeah. I, I made a I made a conscious decision when I returned from my hernia when I was able to. I had to push myself as hard as hard as I could uh, to try and make sure that I was fit and I was strong. That if I got the opportunity, I was ready. And thankfully, you know, thankfully for me, but unfortunately for Steve Stone, he got he got Achilles injury, didn't didn't get back for till Christmas. I got in, and then fortunately for me, on the other side, Matty Taylor got injured, and then I get oh, I get pushed over to the left. So 
<laughs> fortunate for me, unfortunate for them. Yeah, I just want to ask one more question on that season before I hand back to Mark. Um, the penultimate game, I think you talked about the, the you picked up an injury, but uh, later on in that season, was it happened to be a game against Rotherham that you started? Um, title winning game, yeah, Not quite something that day. I was looking back at the pictures, you're rock front and center, and all those celebrations. I can tell you that, yeah, no, that was that was that was the day I came, I came off just be, just at half time. That was oh, it, that was yeah. it, that was my that was my last game that season, you know, I was right in front of it because. I knew what it meant to the fans as the club, but I knew what it also meant to me because of the journey that I had been on at Portsmouth. You know, the, the staying up in the last game of the season, going from there to winning the winning the league, really at a canter. You know, because we were we were the best team in the league by by a country mile. Yeah, we had a little blip and let Leicester get close to us, but we always felt that if they were going to score four, we'd have scored five. If they scored five, we'd have scored six. We were that confident. You know, uh, many teams didn't score that many, but you know, the scenes after after the game against Rotherham was, was brilliant. You know, just getting my hands on that trophy and seeing the medal is, is special. So I ended up getting the, the medal tattooed onto my arm. So you got that, that, shows you how, that shows you how important that is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> how did you celebrate that night, Kevin, with the team? We, we went out for a few... A few uh, celebratory drinks. <laughs> just a quiet. It was just a quiet one. Quiet one, yeah. yeah. <laughs> All well behaved. Yeah, as always. As always. Well, just I seen a recent interview that you did recently. Um, you're talking about the abuse you got from fans, and you admitted that you had even have had a few arguments during your day with fans during games. Yeah. Um, did it ever get to the stage where you're maybe going to do an alright Cantona or anything we got there? <laughs> nah, nah, nah. You know, at the end of the day, fans fans have their opinion. I have my opinion. You know, and I'm not saying that fans are fans are silly. They're not. You know, but at the end of the day, I was in the team. The manager was picking me week in week out, so I must have been doing something right in his eyes. You know, I wasn't. I will always. I will always be real. I'm a realist. I wasn't the fans. The most the most favourite. I wasn't the fans' favourite at that time. You know, probably looking back now, I might be one of them. You know, uh, but at the time I wasn't. There was better. There was players that were more silky, more you know, pleasing to the eye than than I was. But at the end of the day, you know, looking back on it now, I think the fans really appreciate what I done and what I done at my with my time there. And that's the most yeah. important thing. You know, when you look back on it, you can be in the moment and you can think, yeah, I done really, really well. But you know, looking back on it, fans seem to appreciate what I done. You know, and that's the most important thing for me. And obviously, I won a league winners medal at Portsmouth as well, which you know for me was was the icing on the cake. I suppose that goal you scored against Walsall, where apparently you ran from the halfway line and scored, yeah. that, that would have that wouldn't have done you any harm either with the fans, would it? No, no, that was that was a really important game. That as well, you know, that was. I think we drew. I think we did. We drew that. I think we drew to each that game. I think I'm not 100 percent sure, but it was important. It was either we drew to each or we we won two one. I think you won two yeah, one, didn't you? Yeah, because yeah, it, re- yeah. it was really it was really really important because we were at a wobble that time and you know they they sort of dominated. We were about out of sorts that game, uh, and to to score the score that goal really set it off. You know, set us back on a run as well. So you know, there's important there's important times in in, in certain in certain games. You know, in, in certain moments in the league, and that was probably that was probably one of them as well. Which is, which looking back on it, is is, is very nice as well. That, what that, about then the next season? Sorry, yeah. sorry, the next season. No, that's Kevin, okay. I was going to say, 
yeah, yeah, obviously being part of that title winning team and all that then, and then all of a sudden when Pompey are back up that you were you were loaned out to was it Norwich? Yeah. That was that was that was that was hard. That was hard because I felt as if I had done enough to to get a chance. You know, I didn't get a chance. But at the end of the day, Harry made that decision. You know, I've got I've got no issue with it. I've got no issue with it. I just felt that I probably deserved a chance in the Premier League for what I had done in the championship. But you know, I was fortunate enough to, enough to go to a, another club that, that got promoted, you know, and I was part of that as well. So to win two promotions to the Premier League one year after the other is always is always is very few and far between. So for me, just what I went through the season, I getting promoted at Portsmouth and then the disappointment really of not uh, not getting the opportunity in the Premier League, but being fortunate enough to go to a club that get promoted and get another championship winning medal was 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 really really good for me. And but the story wasn't quite finished at Pompey yet. There, Kev, was it? Because that that season in the Premier League, you came back. I think did you start the Liverpool game in the FA Cup? And, uh, yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah, started Hughes, it. Hughes, you scoring. What's going on there? Yeah, no, I know, <laughs> I know. It's, uh, it's it's a great crazy situation. Came back from Norwich and then. You know, played it, played in the FA Cup, and the news he scored. I actually watched it not so long ago. It was on, it was on yeah, YouTube it was. There, uh, about three weeks ago. So me and my son sat and watched it. So it was, it's always good to see. You know, playing, playing for Portsmouth in, in the FA Cup, and you know, I was, I, I wish I had played more in, you know, the the Premier League, and I wish I had had a proper send off for the fans because that was it, the most disappointing thing. You just sort of disappear. You know, you don't get to say your your buys because you're not in the team. Well, Kevin, t- talking about managerial career, um, obviously you were the first black manager up in Scotland since, what, 2003? Um, yeah. It's, it's obviously something that is very, very important. Um, but when you were at Pompey, did you, I know Chris Kamara has come out and said he, he got some abuse, racist abuse um, when he was at Pompey. Did you ever experience anything like that there? No, never got it from the never got it from uh, the home fans. That's for sure. Got it from a few away fans, yeah, but never ever from never ever from the home fans, not at all. Yeah, and what about the the situation now? I say, um, there's a dyer up at Kilmarnock that is the only now black manager in in Scottish football. How's that make you feel? And and do you feel that um, there's going to be opportunities further down the line for yourself? To be honest, I've no idea. I genuinely had no idea if there was going to be more opportunities for myself or not. It took me over about 40 applications to get a, a, one interview uh, over the over the course, you know, and that was the Albion Rovers one, and I eventually got the job. Alex Dyer would be the only black or ethnic manager in, in Scotland is a disgrace. I think he's, you know, he's the only one, you know, obviously in the Premier League since John Barnes. So that was about 17 years. That was the first one in 15 years. And I've said before, if that was in any other walk of life, there would be an outcry. But for some reason in football, it's acceptable. You know, and I think the movement that's happening right at this present moment in time is, is well overdue. Uh, people tend to see and think that what black and ethnic people are saying is they want a job because of their colour. At no point do I want a job because of my colour. What I, what I do want is an equal opportunity to get that job. You know, and that doesn't happen. It's that's a fact. You know, I always use the analogy of if no one knew Kevin Harper and no one knew Zinedine Zidane, and we both put our CVs into the Portsmouth for the Portsmouth job, Zinedine Zidane should get the job. 
because he's got a better CV than Kevin Harper. You know, that's that's the way it should be. It doesn't happen like that. We all know that. You know, we all know that people are already spoken to before the job comes about. Are they interested? You know, so all I, all I'm looking for, and I'm sure all any black or ethnic coach or manager is looking for, is the opportunity, the opportunity to be on a level playing field of trying to get a job. That's it. Is this pretty deep rooted? Is, 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 is this systemic? Is this in the system? Deep ingrained, ingrained in, in, in the football system? I think it is. I think it is, Jordan. I think it's ingrained racism. You know, I think it's. I think it is. You know, I think it's. It's something that you don't see. You don't see black or ethnic. You know, players going into the boardroom. You know, there's probably more women in the boardroom than there is black. And that's that's fine. I've got no issue with that, but. I think that the, when you have 30% of black footballers, we're talking about England here, mm. you know, and four, four or five black managers, one in the Premier League, then there has to be an issue. You're not trying to tell me that all black managers aren't good enough, you know, because we don't know if they are good enough or not, you know, and because we don't get the opportunity to show whether we are good enough or whether we're not. But there's certain, but there's managers that, fail after fail after fail, they get, get job after job after job, you know, and that's probably because they're mates with the chairman, they know somebody, blah, 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 blah. So it's not, it's not a level playing field. We know that, you know, we're not asking, we're not asking that we should get a job and reiterate this because he, because I'm black, I don't deserve a job. That's a mm -hmm. fact. I deserve a job and I deserve a job if I'm, if my CV goes in and I'll, I'm like a, a candidate that they want to interview. If, I, if they want to interview me, then it's up to it's entirely up to me to press home that interview and make sure that when I walk out of that, or they walk out of that interview, that they know that I'm the best person for that job. If you, you're a UEFA, you've got your A badge, you know, you've got a good CV in terms of like coming through with your playing career, you know, academy level, and then you're having a, you know, you say 40 odd applications in your, and you're struggling to get a, you know, how dispiriting and despondent do you become when? you probably believe that that might be because of the colour of your skin? Well, for, for me, it's, it's been... If it wasn't for my wife and my kids, then I, would be, I wouldn't even be interested in management. That's a fact. Because during that time, it was really, really despondent. You know, just getting knocked back after knocked back, not even getting, not even getting the decency of a, an email back to say that you weren't successful. You know, and at the end of the day, it can be a generic email. You know, it's just a, just a notification that, by the way, you've applied for that job and you're, you've not got it. You know, mm -hmm. uh, but to get one interview when I know that I was the pe the, the people that other other clubs took were had a less lesser playing career than me and mm -hmm. not even coached was really really disappointing. You know, and that's that's the biggest thing for me. You know, if you if you look at who the managers that I worked under, probably some of the best managers in in Britain worked yeah. under Harry Redknapp, worked under Tony Pulis, Nigel Worthington. Uh, I worked under Alec, Alec Miller, you know, worked yeah. under Jim Smith and Steve McClarm. You know, so, you know, you, you, must, you must have an opportunity. If you've not, if two people with no coaching experience go in for a job, and certainly there was, there was people that didn't have any coaching experience at that time, got the job, then, you know, why, why, why did I not get an interview? Yeah. How, how regular is this, this is that, experience is been of you... Looking at the person that eventually gets a role, for example, that you've applied for, and then you're matching up CVs, and and they don't compete. I just I just look at it and go, you know, at the end of the day, 
why did they why did they get the opportunity and I never? You know, why even the interview process, you know, yeah, it can be it can be a tick box, it can be a tick box. That's why the some sort of thing with the Rooney rule, you know, is difficult to police, I think, in football. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, because it can come a come a tick box exercise for for, for coaches, for, for clubs, you know, for, for chairmen. You know, but at the end of the day, if if I have the best C V out of 10, 10 applicants, surely I deserve an interview. If I mess up the, that interview, then that's down to me. That's not down to anybody else. That's not down to because I'm black, because I'm white. It doesn't. It's because I've not either done my homework or I wasn't. I wasn't right for the. I wasn't a right fit for the job. But at least I got the interview to show my credentials and what I can do for the club and what I have done. You know, and I think obviously having that job at Albion Rovers, it shows that you know I can coach. You know because. You get the lowest budget, you know, when I went in, we were seven points adrift. We were bottom of the table by seven, with seven, seven points away from the nearest team. And we ended up staying, staying up with eight points above the second, the bottom team. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there comes a point where you have to go, right, well, wait a minute. Maybe he has done a good job. Maybe he does deserve a chance. But I'm thankful for Albion Rovers for giving me that opportunity. And I'll never, ever, never, ever not be thankful. And they certainly didn't, they certainly didn't get Give me the opportunity because I was black. They gave me the opportunity because they felt they felt that I was the best person for the role, you know. And that's 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 what that's what we want. That's what black and ethnic people coaches want. We just want a, a opportunity to show what we can do, you know. Not because we're black, but because we're the best people for the job. I was going to say, Kevin, does that make for a difficult conversation with your kids growing as they grow older? That the, the the livelihood that you've enjoyed, there may be there might be a level playing field further down the line. Yeah, well, I, I hope, I hope, you know, that's that's my hope. I hope that it's about my kids when they grow up that there is a level playing field. You know, like I've got I've got three girls, so whether they want to go, well, the two the two oldest ones won't want to go into football. Whether the youngest one and my son mm-hmm. wants to go in, you know, I don't know. I don't know. My son's saying that he wants to, and that's not from me. Pressing him and saying he has to. That's from him saying, I said, Dad, I want to play football, you know, because he's only took it up in the past year. He's only five and I've not pushed him into it and I still don't push him into it. If he wants to go and he wants to do a wee bit of me in the park, he wants to go and play a game or learn some stuff, then I'll do that for him. He's a kid. He has to grow and he has to enjoy it first and foremost. But, you know, for me, I hope that there's a level playing field across society, you know, by the time he gets older, you know, not just in football. Football is a huge, huge platform that we can we can make a difference. You know, it's a sport that I've loved. I've been involved in for you know over over 30, 30 years. You know, but there's always been I've always had to work harder than other people. You know, purely because of my colour to get to where where you are. And people say it's okay. You can knock as many, if you if you want something, you got to knock doors and knock doors and knock doors. Yeah, you do. But at the end of the day, if the doors are constantly shut and people aren't taking chances then you get despondent all the time. You know, you can't just go and bash through a door and say, I want to be your, your manager or your coach. You know, you have to knock on doors and hope and hope that it opens and somebody takes a chance. You know, it took me 40, 40 doors to knock before I got a chance. I hope it doesn't take me 40 to get another chance. Yeah. Well, t- t- switching subject, um, 
using your your Scottish knowledge. And <laughs> pop, pop scouting is a time for a scouting report. This scouting <laughs> report from Kevin Harper. There's a, there's a young fella called Kevin Nesbitt. Um, has been yeah. in Pompey now for some reason he doesn't want to come south of the border to the sunny south. <laughs> He prefer to stick up. He prefer to stay up in Scotland. But yeah, Pompey been linked with him quite a bit. Um, do you know much about him? And if he did decide he make fancy his chances down here, would he be a good addition? I think I think we played we played them last season. We played them last season in the in the cup, and he, he scored a hat trick against us. His movement was very good, and his ball striking was good. He creates chances. He'll score chances. You know, I think he had. He went. He was a wee bit. He didn't understand the game. I think. I think he's now knuckled down and he's he's went about his business really well. It's his, probably his set his first season, you know, in the championship that he's done really, really well. You know, I think he would he would probably do well down down the road. He's got that tight, he's got that instinct. But, you know, you just don't know how people settle down you know, down when they move, you know, and for him I think it's probably in my opinion, it would probably be better him staying up here for another year. Another year, two years, make sure that he's He's really consistent goal scoring wise, and then get a move. You know whether he stays at his his own club for another year and continues to score the goals he does. Then I think that's probably the best idea for him, in my opinion. You know, but because he'll he'll be able to score goals, he'll be he will score goals in the championship. That's for sure. You know the last thing you want for for the kid is for him to go somewhere and and really fail and then struggle to get you know somewhere else. But I think if he stays where he is for another season or you know, stays up here for another season, then gets real, real confidence in his goal scoring ability, scores another 20, 25 goals, then, you know, he's he's worth he's worth a it's it's less of a risk. What well, what about um Shanklin? When we linked with Shanklin last season, obviously he's kicked off. <laughs> would you have said to him to move, would you? Was he ready a year ago? Yeah, I think he was ready. I think he was ready. I think he's done he's done really, really well. You know he scored goals consistently. It's not just one season that he scored goals. He's consistently scored goals. I think I read a stat the other day that he'd scored half a Dundee United's goals in the, in the way up to getting promoted. Uh, so you know, it's it's a lot of goals that he scores, and I think he, I think he, I think he is a goal scorer, a genuine, genuine goal scorer, and I think he would he would do really, really well for Portsmouth. Oversight by Kenny Jacket. Well, what? Mark, I think we should have been on to Ke- we should have been on the Kev a year ago. <laughs> should have been. Should have been. Well, what do you think of Pompey's chances in the, the, these playoffs, Kevin? Coming up against Oxford, um, one, will they get through it? And two, if they get the championship, yeah, what can they expect in terms of just the difference in what they're currently experiencing now, level wise? I think I think they'll get every opportunity. You know, I think that being biased, I think Portsmouth should win every game. I know it's not feasible that they can. But I, I think they, they should. You know, I think they're they're in a great position. You know, they've got the opportunity. I think I think they'll be Oxford to do, you know, and I hope it I hope they do and I hope they, they get to the, the, the championship because I think they're certainly a championship at least team. You know, if they get to the championship then it becomes really difficult. You know, I think the most important thing is to probably to stay in the league for a season, you know, and, and be in the championship because it, it breeds it breeds you know you, you get you get a little bit more money you get that more that opportunity to get that better player because when they come up they'll have to spend money they'll probably worry as well that you know players are, 
are going to maybe not be interested in coming just purely because they're up. But I think the fact that how big a club they are is always tempting. You know, players speak to other players. And I think that people, certainly just now, will have good things to say about Portsmouth. You know, the, the, the city, the, you know, the training ground, the fans, everything. Everything is play in place, you know, for them to be in the championship. And I think they deserve to be in the championship. They're certainly, as I say, a championship side. And I would love to see them back in the championship after everything that they've went through. Brilliant. Brilliant. Kev, I've got to say, that is a fantastic insight from yourself. Really appreciate catching up. And I'll tell you what, the affinity and, and, and passion for Pompey shining through to this day is, is, re is really heartening to see that. So thanks for taking time to join us today, Kev. And, uh, and uh, I'm sure that there won't be any fans at Wembley, but there might be some noise uh, in the Harbour House or when, when Pompey Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, no worries, Jordan. Anything. Thanks very much for having me on. Thank you for listening and don't forget to subscribe to the Portsmouth News website for just £1 a month for the first three months for everything you need to know about Portsmouth and more.